0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Everyday Linux. Not so much Linux, but life in the context of Linux. Episode 134, Something Awesome This Way Comes. Recorded March 19th, 2014, brought to you by Element OP Productions at ElementOP.com. This week, we've teased it for a while, we've promised it for a while, and Mark is not here. He is on his way back to his home and should be back with us next week, and hopefully next week, there'll be all three of us. Um, I'm kind of, I'm sorry, you know, last week... It was. I was supposed to be here, and all week long, the weathermen were saying, yeah, we're supposed to have some rain on Sunday, and it's going to stop before the weather gets cold, and, you know, we're not expecting it to get too right about freezing. Well, when I got home, there was, like, some fine powder falling, and I looked out the door later, and there was, like, over an inch and a half of sleet on the ground, and... I might would have been able to get out here to do the show, but I wouldn't have been able to make it back safely in my little Nissan Cube. I would have had to have got out and carried it on my back, and I didn't want to do that. So, sorry about last week. I was really looking forward to it, but um, I did listen to it online, and it was kind of cool getting to hear Christy. Wish I could have been there. <laughs> but this week, we're going to be doing some listener feedback our hoppers have gotten they've kind of reached the breaking point so we're going to go through and clean some of it out keep it coming guys we love responding to y'all and reading them all um so today is listener
1: feedback nice and seth i'm glad that you didn't go out in the snow and the rain and the nasty icy mess because you know we like you coming back every week so that's a good thing
0: yeah and at home you know I don't, I don't know why sleep causes my internet connection to crap out, but I was getting, you know, pages were not loading. I was having to refresh. Um, it just, it wasn't pretty. Um, when we were trying to do the, um, periodic table for a while, I was recording that from home on a phone, um, with no internet. Oof. And it's just, it's not, it's not pleasant for me. And I'm sure it wouldn't have been pleasant for the show. So. Well,
1: uh, that's all right, Seth. We did fairly well without you did we miss any questions that you had for her
0: no um y'all pretty much covered everything and i didn't really have a lot of preset questions i just you know thought it would be interesting to talk about uh women in technology um that's what i thought whenever i came across her article in one of the shows i uh or one of the websites I kind of peruse for news and current technology events. I thought, Hey, maybe she'll come on our show. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, good. I'm glad that we got most of it taken care of. So yeah. what's this next thing here? LinuxCon? Well, I figure I would just kind of throw it
0: out there to the community and see if y'all would like to send me to LinuxCon. con. Um, you know, I mean, uh, it, you know, you got to have money for a hotel and registration fee and all that kind of stuff. I would take the time off work to go, but I can't afford like the entrance fee and the room and board and everything while I'm gone, but go and do some reports and maybe, uh, kind of get the, uh, everyday Linux, you know, kind of spread our net a little bit wider. So if you would like me to go, there is the, uh, You know, you can always do the tip jar, buy a lot of extra stuff for Amazon, or I could do a Kickstarter project. I've never done one, but I could, like, launch a Kickstarter project and see if it got funded. So, um, you know, it's a few months away, so shoot us some quick feedback. Should I try? You know, just... Okay, here's what... I'm not asking right now for the money to go. I'm asking you, should I try to get the money to go via Kickstarter and shamelessly begging for money on this show? Um, should I, or should I not guys tell me, Um, you know, and, and if, you know, maybe if even just one person says, or if I decide to do it anyway, then I will start the plug. But I thought it would be kind of interesting to go to LinuxCon and see, you know, because, you know, we're not, like Chris, you're kind of the professional Linux guy, but I'm just, uh, I'm more just a computer guy and I don't run in the Linux circles, but just kind of go and immerse myself into the <laughs> Linux world, right. even for a short time to kind of see how the insider community views the state of Linux. And that would be fodder for at least one show. Yeah. Mike could get several out of it.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. The other thing that would be very interesting is I, I don't know if any of our audience has ever done a kickstarter campaign but it'd be interesting to actually see the steps behind a kickstarter campaign you know personally i've done a couple of donations to kickstarter but i've never actually seen the other side of it so it would be very interesting even even as an experiment an, an educational experiment uh it might be worth it there seth
0: yeah and you know and i can understand if the project doesn't get fully funded but i would hate to do a kickstarter project and get zero promises. <laughs> that would be, you know, that would be because you know if it does, if you don't meet your level, nobody's required to give, right? But I would hate to say say my goal was two thousand five hundred dollars, and I got zero. <laughs> I would just feel really bad. <laughs> you know, I might have to go on
1: and give a dollar
0: or something anonymously. Well,
1: I would definitely fund part of your campaign. How's that sound, Seth?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, the more I am talking about it, I I might just do it anyway, just to see what happens. Um, uh, and you know, that that would be kind of a cool show, maybe. Um, you have to spray it yeah. all
1: over the social medias, you know, the Twitters and the Google pluses, just to make sure we get enough people and enough eyeballs looking at it to make it happen, right?
0: And uh, but yeah, so guys, what do y'all think? Should I try it? Um. Should I try it or should I just stay here in Texas with my bad internet connection and leave uh leave LinuxCon for the grown-ups?
1: Well, if it was me, I would say
0: go, but I'm nowhere close enough to go. <laughs> so, Chris, what's this about? Six hours on Google Docs?
1: Yeah, uh I was contacted by a local education company here one of the it's not the school system, it's the subsidiary that tries to help teach the teachers new technologies. And uh-huh. I've known her for a long time, and she knows I'm a huge Google guy. And she she emailed me and said, do you want to come to a little seminar in one of our little things in June? And I'm like, "Well, oh, that sounds, you know, I can do that. That's an hour, maybe two out of my life. I can do that. And so I said, well, yeah, is it only an hour or two? And she goes, no, 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 no. This is a six-hour ordeal. Starts at 8.30, ends at 3.30. You need to have enough information for six hours, at least one day worth of, of stuff. And I went, wow. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. That's, uh, I'm sure I could come up with enough stuff, but I'm glad I clarified before I committed because that would be, that's a lot of, a lot of information to have on hand for teachers for a six hour class.
0: Yeah, dude, you know, like, I just, like, in five minutes, I kind of showed the teachers when I was, um, you know, I, Backwaterville, where I worked. I, I won't say the name to embarrass the district, but, um, you know, I just showed the teachers, hey, look, you know, if you're having a class doing a collaborative book review, you know, especially for the UIL things, you can have all these different people in this document at the same time, and you don't have to worry if they change something because you can roll back to a specific date. You know, you could have an assignment that says your document is due by midnight, and then when you go to look at the document, you can roll back the edits to see what it looked like at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um and all that kind of stuff. So there's tons of things you can do. You know, we could even set up a collaboration where I could be in the document somewhere and you could be in there, and we could be going back and forth, like putting together a mock show. So that is, I don't think you would have a problem with the eight hour, with the six hour. No, I,
1: You know, it was just the shock that that was the biggest thing. Yeah. It was like here I was thinking an hour, two hours, and she drops the a, a six hour bombshell on me. It's like oh, six hours. Um. We'll see. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what if she only wants me one day or two, because it's a four day thing. There's it's four days worth of of conference, and Uh I don't know if she only wants me for one day or two or what she wants. Nor do I know how big the class size would be. I mean, if it's only twenty people, not so bad, because then you if you run out of material because you blow through it too fast, you could then start doing Q and A. So. That's not a big deal either. I can always spin in my wheels and, and, you know, do what I do in this show and just kind of make stuff up. But uh, it, it would be uh, – I would rather go in there with at least thinking I have some of it covered than, you know, only an hour of it covered.
0: Right. Definitely.
1: <laughs> I uh, – man, I mean,
0: yeah, there's all kinds of potential there. But, you know, between the demonstrations and everything, I I think the time would fly by. Oh, I think
1: so too. And I'm probably going to end up going with it just for the simple fact that, you know, it's another way to stick my, my home business's name out there and and kind of go, you know, thanks to Reboot It, we can have me here and blah, blah, blah. I think it'd be fun.
0: Yeah, it would be cool. So, yeah, you get some advertising out of
1: it, too. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Well, I'm working on it. I'm going to take over my corner of the state. That's my plan is someday Reboot It will be everywhere, at least. Awesome. Yeah. Someday.
0: Well... I wish you luck. And Rick, we decided, you know, since this is a, I don't think we ever said it in the beginning, but to, well, no, we did listener feedback and this is not so much listener feedback as just really great warm up material from <laughs> Rick. Um, Oscar Meyer is coming out with an iPhone device that you can wake up to bacon. Um, there will be an app for the iOS and If you just get the app, you can wake up to the sound of bacon sizzling, which, you know, that would probably be enough to get me out of bed. (laughs) But they also have a little dongle that will plug into the bottom of your iOS device, and it will fire out a scented bacon spray in the morning as you are emerging from bed. Now, that would just make me hungry. And since I'm trying to lose weight, um, I don't think I could have this app, (laughs) but um, I love it. So um oh, oh. <laughs> yeah thanks Rick for bringing this to our attention if you want to wake up to bacon both the smell and sound of it uh you can thank Oscar Meyer they are bringing it um to a device near you hopefully it says the company plans on giving away a limited number of the devices through a promotion that ends during early April 2014 wow
1: that's awesome and
0: unfortunately yeah unfortunately it's only on the iPhone or the not the iPhone, but the uh, Apple series. So I guess you 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 would have to get past your uh, you'd have to get over the smugness required to own an Apple device in order to benefit from this. Um, But yeah,
1: that's awesome. Can you imagine that? But uh, for me, if I wake up to the sound and smell of bacon and there is no bacon, that would drive me crazy. I would be on a bacon rampage. I'd be you know. You won't like me when I'm hungry, type idea. Yeah,
0: yeah. put the bacon down, <laughs> back
1: away slowly, and you might not get hurt. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. I can't believe that they're that the bacon craze is taking up to the point where someone that Oscar Meyer is going to put out a bacon spray and smell or s- smell and hear app. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, um,
0: pretty cool. So. I'm all, you know, like I say, I love it in theory, but in practice, I would be sorely disappointed that there was no bacon handy. Um, you know, I mean, I might have to go buy some bacon jerky from the store, um, and just set it beside my iOS device to, uh, you know, so that way I would be able to get that sensation. There you go.
1: Uh, bacon iPhone device. So anything else going on, Chris? No, no, it's been a pretty quiet week. Oh, I I do I guess I got one more thing. Uh in my neck of the woods, we are starting to get the spring thaw. And so uh uh-huh. I have a river in my backyard which is like <laughs> a floodplain big time. So if there's a couple of weeks where I can't come to the show, it's because my house is flooded. So let let's <laughs> let's hope that the Yellowstone decides not to flood my house out this year. Um, out of the seven years I've lived in this house, we've only had water in our basement one year. Um, Uh but the weather we had this year was very similar to the weather we had that year. So I'm, I'm really hoping, praying, calling on the almighty spaghetti monster to, uh, protect me from a flood this year.
0: Well, I, uh, you know, so do you, do you like, you have a basement? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have a full, a full basement. It's, it's. I, you know, I want, I hate to even call it furn- a furnished and full, you know, fully fi- uh, finished basement. Um, uh-huh. but, you know, there, my son lives down there. That's what his room is. And all of the kids' toys are down there. So it it's right. not used for anything more than storage and play area, but it's still, you know, that's, that's a lot of stuff down there to try and, drag it all upstairs and dry dry it all out again and after i did it the last time i really don't want to do it again um, i think that was the fastest i moved my entire basement upstairs uh if it happens again I'll, I'll have to take pictures to show it off because it's an impressive feat when you can empty a basement in about three hours yeah definitely
0: so do you like have a sump pump down there yep. that
1: would be, you do yeah we, we do now you, we you, didn't that year but we do now <laughs> ah.
0: so do you think that the sump pump would be able to handle it if it started to flood
1: uh you know honestly uh i think so um between the sump pump and the french drain i think we'd be all right um because of course obviously since we the landlord didn't think ahead of time to have the sump pump and the french drain all working before the flood but right. after the flood we he made sure to have everything there um I think so because once we once we put the sump pump in into the hole uh the basement went from what well, we were at 6 inches of standing water in the basement and once we started the pump running we ended up going from 6 inches to almost nothing in about 25 minutes. Oh, so yeah, it should. It should. If it it should. Yeah. Well, dude, I
0: hope it, I hope it does. I mean, I hope, hopefully it doesn't flood, but if it does, I hope it, uh, I hope it gets cleared out for you pretty quick. Yeah, I
1: hope so. And then this summer, um, I'm planning on doing some French drain work in my driveway because the driveway is right now. It's a swamp. Um, right. if, If we, if anything heavier than my wife's car were to park on it, it would probably sink to the wheel, to the axles. Uh, there's a couple spots where I just about lost a shoe yesterday. So. Yeah, it's nice and moist up here in southern southern Canada, as Mark would say.
0: Right. Well, I am getting in shape to go for a five k. Uh, we're signed up a bunch of people from my church. We're signed up for a black light run, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So
1: awesome! I think it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Good luck on that. You'll have to let us know how you
0: do. Oh, definitely. Are you kidding? If I run, if a fat man like me runs five <laughs> k's, he's uh he's going to be sharing it with the world. So
1: just remember to keep a pace. That's all it is.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we should move on to the news or we'll have a four hour intro section. (laughs) So um, kick it off this week with apparently Roku saw how good the Chromecast was doing and they thought we better do something or we're going to lose everything. So Roku is putting out something that's pretty much a direct competitor to the google chromecast it's a uh it's a stick that you know plugs in with any hdmi port um it comes with a remote controller so um you know basically think of it, it has a tiny little cable or satellite box and the price is
1: dude i saw it on here it says 50 dollars. it says it, yeah 50 yeah it's saying it's approximately 50 dollars
0: yeah, it's a little bit more than the Chromecast, but it has more apps bundled, uh, available than the Chromecast does. So if you're a Roku user, you know, then you can get this Roku device, uh, has a way to turn your dumb TV into a smart TV. Yeah. I guess.
1: It's what it basically works it as. Um, it's still a pretty cool, you know, and what bothers me a little bit is, I'm a Roku guy. I've been a Roku guy for a couple of years now and I love them to death. But their marketing mm-hmm. blows. If they would have been advertising this, you know, cause I'm sure it's been advertised and, and kicked out for, for people before. Um, but I haven't seen this at all. You know, I, I saw the, the rumor mill stuff that they were planning on something, but never an announcement saying, Hey, it's available. Come buy it here. Um, I would have bought like six of these already. Cause I love the, I love the idea. And the only reason I haven't bought a Chromecast is because I didn't want to jump ship because my Roku was doing so good. So, right. Well, this is, is one of those things that I would love if their marketing would have been a little bit better because they should have, you know, marketed to the people that already are part of the Roku environment. Cause I bet you they would have sold a yeah. whole lot more, um, as a, a intro device. Versus trying to, now they're, you know, selling it, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure where they're advertising it, because I've never seen it. Well, it's, it's still in pre-order, so
0: I guess maybe they're just starting their advertising now, because you can't buy it
1: yet, you can only pre-order it. Mm, let's see, I'm looking at Roku's site right now to see if I can, how much it is, yeah, it says only pre-order, or you can buy it. Pre-order it from a store too, but they they must have right. they must have locked the price down because every other store is within pennies of each other. Right. I wonder how uh, PC Richards is able to sell it cheaper than Amazon. That's just kind of funny.
0: Well, um, I don't know. Maybe they're <laughs> just maybe it's kind of like a loss leader thing. Maybe you know they'll 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 take a few cents loss to. Or you know I wonder maybe maybe they're shipping. It could
1: be. Uh, but the way this thing works is just like the Chromecast. You plug it in through an HDMI. Uh, they give you a dongle or a, a cord to plug into the USB jack on your TV. And if you don't have any USB jacks on your TV, they also give you a, um, AC adapter to plug into the wall. So just like the com- just like the Google cr- Chromecast, uh, 50 bucks. I don't know. It- it's hard to say which way I would roll, um, considering I, the Google Chromecast is cool looking it's a little bit cheaper, but I'm so embedded in the chrome into the roku uh landscape. I don't know if I'd jump hmm at least not yet yeah well, that's uh I don't know. Have you ever
0: played with any of these devices Seth like a roku I have not um no it's it's just not worth it out where I live um I have not. I haven't done the, uh, upgrade to like, you know, I can get two megs, uh, at my current setup if I wanted to pay the price for that. Right. But with what I have, it's, just, it would not be worth it to, to have them. It just, I, I can't pull enough down to make it, make it watchable. I would have to, you know, I had Netflix for a while and, you know, I would, str- I would buffer. And apparently it would get to the point to where it would only buffer so much. Right. So I'd watch it for a while and I'd see I was about out. And so I would hit pause again because if I let it reach the end, then it took twice as long. I don't know why, but. And so I was just like, you know, it's not worth it. Um, hmm. I don't want to, I want to be able to sit down and watch what I want to watch, but I couldn't even watch a 30 minute TV show. You know, it would take me like 45 minutes to watch oh. it, 15 minutes to buffer. And, uh, you know, so
1: yeah, it's pretty rough. This is a neat. I just thought of this. This would be really great for those road warrior guys because when they go to stay at tea, at you know uh different hotels, you know your Roku settings stay with you, right? And then you'd be able to stream anything in off the the hotel's Wi Fi.
0: Yeah, that could be cool.
1: That's a neat idea. Maybe for fifty bucks, that's that's probably even worth it if you you know if you're got a bunch of stuff queued up on your Roku account or yeah or settings you know because like when i bought my new roku all i did was log into it and all of my apps and settings filled into it i didn't have to fill in a thing so i didn't have to retype in passwords or nothing i was really impressed so wow yeah you know good on roku for for i mean i kind of worry about that though a little bit because that means they're caching my credentials with my account on their servers but yeah. um yeah, it's it was really handy when I just said I want to set up my new one. Oh, look. All my stuff is there and all my configurations are there and you know, like especially my my uh um my Plex box settings. They were all ready to go. I just turned on I just clicked on Plex and said I want to watch that show now and it was done. Well, so, good on Roku for for easy setup, but I hope they have things protected so that way nothing bad happens with my credentials
0: yeah hope so though it would be a bummer if it did yeah well moving on we have some steam numbers uh i just want to kind of mention them here apparently linux is hanging tough at about 1.3 <laughs> percent um you know it was it was kind of weird last month they announced it at 1.11 percent, and then they for whatever reason bumped it up to 1.34 percent and this month it is uh 1.30% um you know windows went up by 0.17% and mac went down by 0.14 so yay that mac went down because i'm not a big mac fan but you know linux is still it's still not there in the steam world um although i know they're they're greenlighting a lot more steam games but for the most part even if you are on a Linux machine, you're probably doing Steam through Wine so you can get the greater Windows library yeah. in it.
1: Yeah, I would say that's the same thing. Uh, the interesting thought though is, you know, I was going to look over at, um, I, I missed the, the survey day when they, when they pulled for a survey. Um, so I, I'm kind of miffed that I missed to be able to say that I'm a Linux head, but one of the things I right. noticed with the Steam is, They only say their, uh, what was it? Their valid clients or their, uh, oh, I don't remember what the word is now, but where the, the, uh, recommended operating system is Ubuntu or Debian. So people, so people that run on, say, Fedora or anything that is outside of the Ubuntu, uh, Debian umbrella, uh, they're being counted in as other Linux or possibly not being counted correctly at all. And I also noticed a no, uh, a pop-up on a... I don't know if it's your other... Let me check your other one. Nope, okay. The uh, Steam just recently said to disable SE Linux if you want to run Portal 2. And so that...
0: Yeah, that was actually one of the stories I had later oh, on. Oh, was it? I um, missed it then. Yeah, and let's kind of save it to later okay. because uh, I wanted to... Well, wait, no, wait, never mind. um. Yeah, no, we'll we go ahead and just jump to that one now. Okay. But, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah,
1: um I just think it's an interesting thing that it says, you know, that, hey, we need to turn off SE Linux for this thing to work. And it's, you know, there there's, I understand personally that it's not a Valve issue, that Valve isn't the one that needs to fix this. It's something that we need to have an SE Linux troubleshooter thing set up for. But to flat out say to, I mean, and obviously they retracted. But they they came out originally saying to flat out disable SE Linux, which I'm sure they got slapped around on the comments for that bug. Um, but I, I it just surprises me that people, that people still would just disable SE Linux instead of trying to figure out what was wrong.
0: Well, apparently it is, it's, it is an incompatibility. So, and, and the only workaround now is to disable sc linux in order to play this game and the reason that they caught so much flack over it was um they uh to play portal 2 you need to have sc linux disabled closing this out so they closed the bug um you know with that comment of duh disable it basically um you know i can't believe you're running sc linux and crying to us when you have a problem man you should know better um but, you know, and so, yeah, they kind of backtracked on that, um, and realized, and so they, they posted later, I apologize for the miscommunication. Some underlying infrastructure our game relies on is incompatible with SE Linux. We are hoping to correct this. Of course, closing this bug isn't appropriate, and I am reopening yeah. it. So, well, at least, you know, it's not, yeah. I would
1: say at least they, you know, that they did backtrack and reopen the bug because it is a bug. But it's not a, it's right. not a bug for, for Steam to fix for Portal 2. It's a bug that should be, de, that should be issued to SC Linux. So SC Linux can write the troubleshooter thing to allow this to work. It, it's, well, you know, it's either that or they need to figure out a way to make the, the underlying, cause it's a, a call to an MP3 decoder. Uh, they either need, or the, like I said, they need to figure out a way to make that, that call to the MP3 decoder. Uh, low enough or high enough in the in the tree so it doesn't need memory access.
0: So that would well, but you see, the thing about it is, um, it writes to a portion of memory yep. um, that is both writable and executable, and so if you enable that in SE Linux, then you've just opened. And again I'm talking to the tin hat Uber security guy and this would be over the head of the everyday user but if you make what this um does um if if you make um you know if you whitelist it then basically you're saying um you know that security thing no nah, not so much we're just ma- we're just peeling back one huge and putting a gaping hole in it um, now granted, you know, it would have to be formed a special way, but if something could form it, then something could also spoof and say, Oh, I'm Portal 2, you like to let
1: me do this. Right. So, well, you know, I, I understand why it's there. Um, well, which is like I said, they need to figure out a way to, instead of cheating and using this to read and write access to the memory like they do in Windows, they should figure out the better way of doing it. Uh, it, it's not an easy fix. I'm, well, it might be an easy fix. I'm not a programmer. I couldn't tell you one way or the other. But I know SC Linux can, you know, do a whitelisting of just that extent or that call. Not a, right. not a call, a blanket call, but the call exactly as it, as it is doing for this game. So it would be spoofable, but you'd really have to have somebody know you very well that you're a Portal 2 player that you play on Linux and you have SE Linux running. And th- there's a lot of th- things that would have to be, you know, and I know the tinfoil hat guys are going to be like, hey, blah, 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 and you need to have it fixed. But, oh, that's that's a lot of, of grains of sand that have to fall through the filter just right for it to hit you.
0: You know, but the people who use SE Linux, to me, are the more security conscious, you yeah. know, or maybe not security conscious, but, you know, security <laughs> slash paranoid mindset. And, dude, just spin up another distro. I mean, you know, if you're the kind of person who's running SC Linux, spinning up another distro is not a problem. So, you know, m- make a VM or swap a hard drive or, or something like that to, uh, you know, and so whenever you want to play your your Steam, you know, you're going to you're not going to use this and then you know whenever you're in full hat mode it's not an issue. So you know, I understand why it's there. I understand why there's an uproar and I can think of many ways around this that may or may not be possible or practical. So yeah, you know, Valve is taking some heat unfortunately, but there's really not much they can do with it because I don't understand I don't know how to fix the problem, um, and really maintain the integrity of SE Linux.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, but I mean, I think between the Portal 2 developers and the SE Linux guys, it's something that's doable.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. And staying on Steam, um, a guilty pleasure. The Powerpuff Girls Defenders of Townsville is, um, I gotta say, I loved whenever I watch Cartoon Planet on a regular basis, and I'm dating myself, it's been, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, the Powerpuff Girls were one of my favorite shows. Just listening to how Mojo Jojo would talk. <laughs> um You know, that was, and I, I, I remember this one episode where one of the Powerpuff Girls, like, hit her head or something, and she talked like Mojo Jojo. Yep. And the two of them were talking to each other, and it was one of the funniest things I had ever heard in my life. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. But yes, the Powerpuff Girls Defenders of Townsville is a game coming to Steam near you. This game is so close to making me get Steam just so I could play this stupid game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it looks like, a, you know, it looks like it could be fun. So I just wanted to mention it. Doesn't really have much to do with anything, but, um, if you're a fan of early Cartoon Network shows when they were funny, um, you know, and silly and, you know, bubblegum for the brain, <laughs> then you
1: might like this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing. Uh, the, the one thing I think is interesting is that they, it's, it looks like it's a reskin as well. Because it looks like they yeah. have the original uh you know uh, hard line outline sprites and the newer thin line outline sprites uh being redrawn and and so it, it looks you know if if I was a huge powerpuff Girl fan, I would probably go get this because it looks like it might be kind of fun
0: well if you're looking at if you're looking at the article, the one on the right is the original and the one on the left makes them look like the show almost exactly like the cartoon. So th- that's my understanding. So uh I, you know, if you're a Powerpuff Girl fan, you will like the classic style. So
1: <laughs> Well, actually, and they they've re re-re- they've re-released Powerpuff Girls with that newer style. The mm-hmm. modern the the more um uh, the thin line outline people. Uh um, yeah. that was that's the new powerpuff girls that's the way they oh yeah is? that's the way they currently look now if you look on it if you go find one of their episodes as of today that's the way oh, it looks I now see. The w-
0: that's how long it's been since i've watched them i did not
1: know Yeah, that. my daughter so. loves powerpuff girls i am like a powerpuff girl like super mind because i've i've seen the episode you're talking about because i've watched every episode of powerpuff girls that's on netflix probably 50 times or more <laughs> um and then when they found out that they were re-releasing it she just about had a heart attack and said and every time they come on we have to either quickly change the channel so she doesn't notice it or we end up having to watch it because otherwise we have a monstrous fit and it's like well we don't watch tv anyway so yeah go ahead and watch tv while we go and do our thing and then we'll go to our tv time later um but it's cool that um As I keep reading down through the article, um, it's a switchable switch. So you can play as the classic or the modern. So that's cool. Um, it's very, it's very nice to see that they have given some fan love and given us both options.
0: Cool. Yeah. And more proof that element OP is taking over the world we have finally brought Samsung to their knees. They are finally going to release laptops that will soon see better Linux performance and there will be much less bugs. So, um, you know, the performance of several different Samsung laptop models will soon improve under Linux thanks to an important kernel fix that is in the 3.15 kernel. So, you know, way to go, Linus, for making Samsung available And, you know, it's not that Linux wouldn't run on them before, but it would, it would cause issues with the AC adapter to stop charging, uh, and become less responsive to the system. Um, and it kind of goes into technical reasons about it, but, you know, they're, they're bringing a fix into that. And so you know if you if you tried linux or if you know somebody who tried linux and you had a samsung laptop and you were like this linux is garbage it doesn't do anything and my computer won't stay charged well um after the 3.15 kernel gets out maybe uh maybe give it another try
1: yeah and that should be coming soon because obviously we're um i just pulled up my kernel version i'm at 313 so uh i'm sure 315 will be down the pipe you know in the next probably I oh, know, about a month and a half, probably. Yeah. I hope so. So, yeah, it it's, uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, we should see something. I wonder if I have any of these Samsung Net notebooks around. Uh, I don't know. I don't recognize any of the bottle numbers, but it's an interesting thing. I'll have to pay attention because I wonder if this will fix any of the other, um, APs or ACPI issues that are out there with other. Uh, laptops that have backlit keyboards and uh, ambient light settings?
0: Well, yeah, could be. I don't know.
1: Because I wonder, you know, like I, everyone remembers my old Dell. Uh, It doesn't have a backlit keyboard, but it does have ambient light sensors. And one of the things I had to do was turn off some of the ACPI settings in order to use it. So I'll have to fire that laptop back up after this kernel comes out.
0: Cool. Fun. Yeah. And, um, uh, moving right along to our next story, Dell, oh. whoever's in charge of that company, you're just an idiot. <laughs> um, that's, that's all I have to say. Charging $27, um, 16 pounds to install Firefox on PCs. Dude, really? Wow. Um, the Mozilla Foundation has begun an investigation after tech juggernaut Dell, which dude, tech juggernaut really, um, appeared to be asking customers to pay more than 16 pounds to install its free web browser, Firefox, on newly purchased Dell kit. If you've ever went to Dell and, you know, you, you kind of configure your own computer, um, you know, you start with the base model, and they ask you, you know, do you want to upgrade the RAM? That'll be an extra $17,000. Would you like to upgrade your hard drive to one terabyte? That will be an extra $67.89 per gig. You know, ridiculously overpriced things that, you know, Whenever I bought my brother his computer, we ended up going with Dell, and it was cheaper for me to go buy the memory separately um, and just replace rather than the charge they were doing just to upgrade. So, But, you know, it does come from them, and so you pay a little bit more to have it all under one point of contact. But then it's, do you want this software? Do you want that software? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and apparently to install the Mozilla Firefox web browser installation service, and this is a, an article out of England, is, uh, 16, um, what is it? 16 pounds and 25 something? I don't know how to say that. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know either. Um, but, but yeah. 1625, um, with the little pound symbol in front. You know, like in, in America, it's dollars and cents. Um, is it pound and pence or is it pound and cents? I, I don't I know. It's pence. I, I'm in, I think it's a pence. But we, I'm an I'm an ignorant American. I can barely understand my culture, much less somebody <laughs> else's. So, um, but yeah, a reader wrote in, uh, to uh, us to to say that Dell had asked if he'd like to fork it out for the, and you know, and did a little screenshot here to capture it. So, it and it honestly, it doesn't, it does not surprise me, um, no, that they would do this. I I just, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it, it further down the thing, it says it takes about 10 minutes to install for anyone with even with the most basic computer knowledge. So that means if it's 10 minutes and they're charging, what What was it, American, $27. So 10 minutes mm-hmm. at $27 for every 10 minutes. So that's over what an hour? What's six times 27?
0: Six times 27 is a lot of money. 162 I think seven
1: times 10. Well, no, it'd be, Oh yeah. Times six. My bad. So $27 times 10. No, error. 27 times six, 27 times six. Why can I do that? $162 an hour. Good Lord. I'm in the wrong business. (laughs) Yeah. No, just your prices are wrong. No kidding. Holy smokes. I now, I, oh, wow. you know what the funny thing is, is I can see somebody going, Hey, look, Dell charges you that much an hour. I'm only going to charge you this much an hour. So let me install Firefox instead. Ha ha. Right.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's normally, you know, like what I do is, um, when I'm in, whenever I'm reloading, you know, somebody says, Can you make my computer like it was new again? And I end up reloading the software. You know, i, I load up some free stuff but I don't charge you know I charge them for my time and I was like you know I'm going to charge you for two hours worth of work to install the OS and you know load all the drivers and load all the software and get it all updated right so you know I mean regardless of how because does it take me two hours no but what I what I do a little bit and then I go away and come back and go away and come back and go away and come back and that's what how much I charge Uh, I charge them two hours worth of my time at you know depending on you know, I have my set rate, and then I have my friend rate, and then I have my please go away <laughs> rate. I don't want to mess with you. And
1: you know, if somebody wants to pay that rate, okay. Well, that's that's why you could charge what you want to charge. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's just amazing that they. And I, I wonder what Mozilla is going to do about it because I don't know. I don't know if they really can do anything, other than possibly, uh, getting Dell to stop charging for their installation, maybe.
0: Yeah, um, you know, but just tell people, um, go to firefox.com and click install. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, you know, uh, you know, yeah, but dude, I can, dude, for doing nothing. I mean, for one, and the thing is, it doesn't take you 10 minutes to install. It takes, it takes them like one click to load this plugin on their image. Yep. So they're not making $162 an hour. They did like, you know, one second worth of work. So 360 times 16 pounds that 's a load of cash, yeah. is how much they 're making you know they 're making thousands of dollars an hour to install free software on your computer you know it 's a good job if you can get it,
1: yeah, no kidding, I wish I had that one i mean i I would not be complaining about anything if I had that <laughs> yeah um
0: the the next thing I wanted to talk about was um you know it was all over the news um about the go to fail apple s s l connection error. Um, did you ever hear about that, Chris? Yes, I did. Well, you know, it turns out that Apple isn't the only one to, uh, have problems yeah. with their SSL connection. The, uh, GNU TLS bug had much the same thing. Um, and there, there's two separate articles here that will be in the show notes. And one of them is, um, th- um, One of them is from Ars Technica, and the other is from Softpedia. Here's the headline of the Ars Technica article. Critical crypto bug leaves Linux hundreds of apps open to eavesdropping. This GNU TLS bug is worse than the big Apple go to fail bug patch last week. And they go on talking about hundreds of open source packages are susceptible to attacks, blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Um, they do mention that, you know, oh, by the way, this was fixed and it didn't take very long, but basically, you know, you should be afraid and you shouldn't use Linux because see, they're just as bad as everybody else. And then the soft, the soft article. Linux teaches Microsoft and Apple a security lesson once more. Uh, and It goes on to say, the Linux world has been rocked by reports of a major GNU TLS exploit that would have allowed man-in-the-middle attacks using false security certificates. The problem couldn't be further from the truth, and the entire situation has been treated as if Linux works like its Windows counterpart. And then they go on to talk about how, oh, this was uh, taken care of, and uh, it was identified and fixed in just a couple of hours, and all the major distributions issued patches right away. Um, so, you know, you kind of have these two versions of the same story. One of them is spreading the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the other is um, expounding the awesomeness of the open source model. And the thing is, you know, there's probably a little truth in there, and just a little bit about the bug is – I don't want to get too technical, but basically, if you are trying to access a secure site, something like, say, your bank account or your email site or Facebook, um, if you were using Linux or even if you were going through something that was using Linux, and it would be theoretically possible for someone to throw up a fake certificate crafted in such a way that they would be able to identify your credentials and harvest your information. So again, I'm not saying that happened because, um, but I'm just saying that's kind of what it does. It's like, it's like, you're not telling, it's kind of like in the old days when you used to pass a note around, you know, Hey, tell, you know, pass this note to Johnny and Johnny passes it to Tim and Tim passes it to Sue. Um, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent of somebody taking the note, opening it, reading what it says, and then going on. Well, um, you know, in grade school, it's no big deal. But on the Internet, that note could contain your bank account yeah. numbers. It could contain your email password, Um, you know, if you're logging in. So it is a serious issue. But whereas the Apple patch took weeks after people were talking about it for a fix to come out, this happened almost in like the blink of an eye. Um, you know, and you know, Microsoft has famously set on bugs for months after they've been known about before they've issued a patch, yeah. but in the Linux community, basically, Hey guys, there's a problem here. Oh crap. We missed that one. Oh, here's what it is. Oh, here's how you fix it. Work done. Okay guys, here's the fix. And they go, here's the fix. Great. Get it out there. And so, If you're running an unpatched system and, you know, some people, you know, if you have an old live CD that you run off of, you could be susceptible to this. If you download something and you don't update it because of bandwidth or there's some update that breaks that one application you use, then you might need to look for something. But I just, you know, and... Sometimes we, I try not to play the fear, um, uncertainty and doubt card. Um, but I just wanted to use this as a teaching method that I hope you'll take some time and look at these two articles and just kind of see how they, they talk about the same incident, but they use different facts to portray two entirely different stories. One makes you think that Linux is, you know, the security written, you know, thing that you should not use because nobody uses it because it's insecure and the other one talks about how you're an idiot if you don't use linux so you know you would kind of have to read between the lines to see the story but that's it um i don't know what do you think chris did i just lose everybody
1: <laughs> no i was glassing over a little bit because i heard the story already and i was very uh uh pretty well versed in this one uh the guys over on the twitter network did a great job covering this Yeah. Um, Yeah. I know. I'm no Steve
0: Gibson. (laughs) uh, He does a much better job of explaining security than I do. Well,
1: he also dove onto it for what, almost 20 minutes when he was talking about it. Uh, yeah, it it was a big deal. It, um, at least the fact that, you know, Linux fixed it in about, I don't know, a half a day compared to everyone else. That's that, that shows how fast Linux can repair things when it finds a bug or a problem. Uh, and honestly, there, it was in the, uh, the GNU TLS not the uh the one that does uh, the open ssl certs so it was a possible f- problem not everyone was going to get bit by it because not everyone's running the GNU TLS system some people are st- are running the open ssl libraries so it, you know and it's not like the top of the article of the uh what is it softpedia article it says in there that um the more popular OpenSSL library is, you know, that's the truth. SS the OpenSSL library is much more popular than than the GNU TLS library. So unless your system was configured to only use GNU TLS, you didn't have this issue at all. So the the infection or the uh, the the issue, you know, v- the vulnerability was even mitigated a little bit because not everyone's using. GNU TLS. Right. But it kind of came bundled with um
0: like a it was the default for an Apache server, yep. if I yeah. if I remember. And so, you know, here's the thing. Somebody set up a web server a while back and you know, whoever updates them, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody updates
1: web servers. Um But my and But my thought is, is that it's not everyone. You know, it's not a burn to the ground like the Mac or like the Apple Go to fail was. This is, right. you know, you would have to have one of the the problem children in order to get to get a pro to have this problem hit you, uh, right? Where the Macs were everything. <laughs> it was it was their phones. It was their computers. It was everything was was affected by it. So, right? Um, yeah, it's a problem. It's been fixed. And I would say it's not as big of a problem as the Apple one. If it was me, I wouldn't downplay it at all. But I would say it's it was a it was a problem that is that isn't a problem because of the way Linux itself is.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But you know, again, we got to be fair. It, it, at the same time, you know, it's not something to sweep under the rug and say, oh yeah, but don't worry about it because we're Linux and we're invulnerable. See, this proves we're invulnerable. Um, uh, I didn't say we're know, invulnerable, it, remember? No, I know, but that's, that, that's kind of the other article. The yeah. other article almost goes too far to paint over this glossy picture of
1: ha ha. And uh, you yeah, know. well, the, the other, the, the FUD article was a ha ha article. And the, right. the Softpedia one was more truth and more down, down-to-earth down fact-based, not um, a ha-ha pointing you in the, you know, poking you in the eyeball saying, you know, you guys are just as, you have just as many problems as we do. Um, and I, I hate to say this, but Linux does have just as many problems as the other guys do. It's just we usually fix them faster.
0: Right. So yeah, I just, you know, and, and I thought those two articles, if, if people want to take the time to dig into them, it, and you know, and I kind of look at it. Here's a way to think of it. You know, think about cable news. You have MSN on one side and you have Fox News on the yeah. other. Um, they can cover the exact same story. But the way they would cover it, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to tell they were talking about the same thing. Uh And again, whether you're an ultra-right-wing fanatic or you're a bleeding-heart left-wing liberal, I think everybody could agree that there's two different points of view being represented by those newscasts. And now I'm not making judgments on the, which one I think is right. Um, but it's kind of the same thing that happened in this article. And the same thing happens with the Linux zealots. Um, and you know, the, the Apple heads. And honestly, I don't, I don't know how many people would be that strong into Microsoft. Um, but I'm sure they're out there, you know, Everybody pounds on the weaknesses of the other guy and extols their own virtues and glosses over their own weaknesses. So, you know, the it's it's no it's no different in computers than it is in politics <laughs> or religion or you know the flavor of ice cream you like. Yeah. So,
1: vanilla is the best, <laughs> uh, unless you like chocolate. <laughs> well, the people that like chocolate are just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. But us
0: strawberry lovers, we know Ooh, the sport. There, you, there's another one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah moving right along um india is uh jumping on the open source bandwagon their um national council of education research and training has released a notification on their website which promotes the use of free and open source software in indian schools so you know they're not saying you're not allowed to have paid software but they're saying hey you know free stuff isn't garbage and you know if you want to use it you can save a lot of money and you can do a lot of things and you can free up your budget for other stuff. So, I'm glad that they're doing it. So, yeah. Um, you know, I just I think it's pretty cool.
1: That is awesome. I think it's cool to see, you know, another cut another place, you know, we we had uh oh, what was that city in Germany that moved over to Linux completely. Unix? Um, uh, Munich, yeah. yes. They did a great job. Um, it's just another thing to say, you know, it's an option.
0: Yeah. And, you know, India is only the uh, second most populated country in the world. So, so. you never know. <laughs> you know, th- you know, that's not like the city council of Fruitvale <laughs> issuing a declaration extolling the virtues of Linux. That's like, Oh, what are they like? Um, let me see. What are they? One over one tenth of the world's population. You know, being represented. The education system of over one-tenth of the world just said, hey, this open source and free software, there's something to that. Maybe we should look at it, and it's okay if you do.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Let's hope they run KDE.
0: Yeah. Um as said, the uh, Fedora ambassador
1: says the KDE lover is more along the lines. <laughs> uh,
0: but but you are a Fedora ambassador still. Yes, aren't you? I am. Or ha- have they recalled you with comments like that? No,
1: no, I, I'm still. They they haven't taken away my Fedora card yet. So
0: <laughs> okay. Well, um, the last news story, uh, and we were only an hour in. So, um, the Rochester Institute of Technology launches the nation's first minor in free and open source software and free culture. Huh. Uh, I just, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to share. Um, I wonder if I could write them and say, uh, I do a podcast on Linux. Can I get an honorary, uh, minor from y'all?
1: <laughs> It might be something to try. It would also But be- yeah, so
0: you know, it, it's it's not programming, it's not game design or anything like that. It's a culture thing. So it, it's kinda like it's sort of like you're a student of anthropology of the FOSS culture. Um and of course FOSS stands for free open source software. Um and you know, you can receive uh it's a fifteen credit hour minor open to undergraduates across the university.
1: Interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, and it's i I'm just kind of reading down the articles like, yeah, I LibreOffice. Yeah, I use that. Yeah, Creative Commons. I think we do our podcast in that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That that's really cool. Um, I, I wish uh, more places would have stuff like this.
0: Well, you know, now that we've got the first, so we can have the second. Yeah. So, you know, again, I mean, Rochester Institute of Technology, I had never heard of them before. So not quite the prestige of a Harvard or a Yale or a, or a Cal Berkeley, but it's kind of cool nonetheless.
1: Well, and it's, it's a, it's a start, um, to, to right. have a one company or one, uh, not company, but one college or school of technology, uh, push the open source in the FOSS thought mindset. Maybe we'll get more.
0: You know, I might reach out to, uh, some of the professors there, see if we can get one of them, yeah. uh, on the show. Cause, I mean, that would be an interesting discussion, I think. Um, you know, Maybe. or, you know, we get one of those professor, stuck up professor guys. You know, we could get someone just like us, which is kind of scary, or a stuck up professor guy who would look down his nose at us, which might be a little more scary. <laughs> um, but, but it, <laughs> it could s- make for
1: a good show. It would still be entertaining regardless.
0: Uh, you know, I I think it would, and you know, like like our show, we want to be entertaining, but we hope you learn something as well. So, all right, well, that kind of wraps up the news section. Um, we didn't really have a story today, um, extolling the virtues of um, your ability to earn lots of money with Linux, but we've documented that very well in the past, <laughs> and a great way to do that is with the Linux Academy. At the Linux Academy, you get step-by-step video courses to help beginners through, um, you know, beginners learn to run Linux servers or prep for certification or to help command line godfathers remember those commands they forgot and haven't used. So if you want to be a beginner or if you're a pro, there's great stuff to learn there. You can set up your own Linux lab servers that let you run up to eight different distributions. You get PDF study guides and reference sheets. I don't know if they've cracked the 200 training video um, plateau yet, but if not, they're getting awfully close. Um, you can get a lesson browser. You can kind of do an a la carte learning. You're like, oh, I want to learn about this, or, oh, I want to learn about that. Or, you know, you can kind of map out a plan and say, this is what I'm going to do. Um, there's online quizzes. So you can like, did I really learn that? So you can take a quiz and go, you know, I thought that was too easy. And the reason I thought it was too easy is because I didn't understand the thing they say. <laughs> I need to go back through it. Um, you know, there's the, co- there's the community over at Linuxacademy.com. That is great. You can get, um, tutorials and helps, uh, from the community, uh, from the professors. They're accessible there. It's not like, um, you need to watch lesson number 137, minute two. Goodbye you know, thank you for the money. It's like, no, this is, this is what I was talking about there. You know, help me make it a little bit clearer. Um, and if you are someone who is, um, bit challenged, such as I am, you can get a DVD for offline viewing. Um, you know, if you, if you, you know, you can't sign up, look at a couple of videos, go take the test and say, golly, I I didn't pass my Linux certification. But if you're going to take the time to invest and study, Dude, they will tell you everything. And the great thing about it is it's not like there's this one video that is seven and a half hours long. Good luck finding your place. It's like, nope, here's a, here's a video covering this. A Couple of minutes long. Okay. Here, here's the thing. Here's another video covering this. Wait, what did he say? Stop and go back. If you've ever been in a college class, you know, it, there's lots of benefits from there. But, um, I'm sorry, professor. Can you go back and repeat that? Well, the class hates you because they want to get done here. You can pause, you can rewind, you can step away. You can like, wait a minute. I want to try that pause. Oh, this is what he was doing. Okay. Now back to the story. Linux Academy is great. And since I am reading the ad, I'm not able to go through and tell you, um, how much this would cost somewhere else. But you know, if you've heard me, uh, do that for Mark in the past, hundreds of dollars for a single course or thousands of dollars for a weekend or a one week course where they just kind of cram information down you and say, good luck. Um, here it's awesome. You can try it for 14 days. Don't take my word for it, that it is super awesome. Open up a PayPal account, spend a dollar, and you have 14 days to go through lessons and, you know, you can even learn the history of Linux. You can learn the history of it. You can go through and get your Amazon cloud computing. Um, you can learn all of that. And you will find out that if you want to get involved in technology, this is a great way to start. Or if you're in technology and you want to lo- move into Linux server administration, because that's where the jobs are, um, they're hiring at a faster rate. They're starting at a higher rate of pay and they're getting a larger percentage pay raise. Um, people who are, who know Linux, you know, there's more jobs. The job market is growing faster for Linux professionals than the overall technology professionals. Their starting rate of salary is higher and they're getting larger pay raises on a year in, year out thing. Uh, you take a look at it. You will see that you love it and you can sign up for $25 a month. If you want to go month to month, you can do, if you want to pay for six months up front, um, it will average out to be $20 a month. Or if you want to pay for a one year and just kind of immerse yourself and become a Linux guru, a Linux guru, Ninja Jedi master, it averages out to be $19 a month. If you want to pay for a year up front. Uh, use the code everydaylinux when you sign up just to let them know that you heard about it from here. And registration is currently open for the next LPIC level one instructor led study class. It is something available inside the academy and it is an additional $99. Um, again, if you've ever done any type of certification study, the $99 is worth it because you're like grouped with other people who are going through the same thing. You're learning the same stuff. Hey, what did you, what did you think here? And you, you've got a group of people you're studying with. You kind of help push each other that $99 is a bargain.
1: What do you think, Chris? You know, the whole thing about Linux Academy, uh, it, they teach it the actual way of doing things, not some other guy's way that they, Collude together uh, th- these are the correct ways of doing things which is always nice to know uh, they're, they're the staff that's taking care of these things are led by people that are dedicated and currently in the Linux software community. Um, we've spoken with Anthony before uh, he's the guy who who runs the whole site you know he does Linux and Amazon Web services probably for his day job. Uh, There's also a couple other guys there that do software development and Python instruction and Linux and Android development. Uh, These guys are are in the system. They're they're in, they know, they're in the know. So why not have them help teach you the correct way of doing things? Uh, And for the price, you can't beat it. Nobody touches these guys when it comes to quality versus dollar. Uh, They should be charging, you know, five times as much and they'd still be undervalued or underpriced in my opinion for the quality of their work. Uh you can run seven different available Linux distributions to play with so you can see what what's so different between SUSE and Ubuntu and Red Hat and Arch and you know, you can actually play with them all and see without even having to burn your own system down, you can play with them all. It it's worth it. Yeah. And the
0: great thing about it is being on the cloud like that, it doesn't take you an hour to install it. You like, boot it up, boom, it's there. Yep. And if, if you like, oh crap, what did I do? It's broken. Well, let me delete that, boot it up, boom, brand new one. So you
1: didn't lose all day to fix your mistake. So it's like, it's really awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, there's three buttons when it comes to your, when it comes to rebuilding servers. There's delete server, power off server, and then manage the disk volume. So if you blow up a machine, you delete the server, you, rein, you just reinstate it, um, and then do whatever you need to do to catch back up to where you were. Um, Seth, do you remember? Do they have like snapshots of the server? So when you're working on it, you can pause, you can snapshot your server.
0: You know, honestly, I don't remember. I don't either. Um, I'll have to do a I, look. I know. I know if you leave your server running um, and you're gone for over a certain amount of time, they automatically power it off. But I don't recall if you're
1: able to save them um, or not. Something we'll have to poke Anthony and find out. Because that would be something really cool if you could pause your – like if for me, you know, with kids – it's almost impossible to get a couple hours or even an hour or thirty minutes alone to learn something, so if, if right. I could be able to pause my server or save its state and come back to it, that would be a really awesome thing. So Anthony, if you're listening to us, let us know that's something that I just thought of and if it's if it isn't a feature, can we get it? So
0: yeah, that would be cool.
1: All right, so I think we should go on to our listener feedback or feedback, as this may be, there's, kind of, there's a long list of feedback this week. So um, we've been stacking them up for a little bit, so we had a, a nice good chunk for while Mark was gone. Um, and for those that don't remember, Mark's down for his funeral. He, like Seth said earlier, he should be.
0: Well, not his funeral. You no, know, not his
1: funeral. For oh. the funeral that he was planning on going to. How's that? Um, right. <laughs> he uh, He should be either on his way or shortly, or probably home by now, wouldn't he?
0: No, they, they left commerce after church this morning. Oh, okay. so I, nah, He might. I don't, no, I don't think so. He um, might be close. Because, you know, if it, if it were just like one adult, I would say, yeah, maybe, but car full of kids uh. who are, you know, women. So, <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to make more than two exits before you have to stop to find a bathroom. Right, so. right.
1: I could, I, I see you. I, I get, I hear you. Um, so they're probably three quarters or halfway. <laughs>
0: I think whenever they came down, they kind of stopped halfway and, you know, got a motel for the night. So I don't know if they're going to do that again or not. I'm sure he will regale us with the awesomeness of his trip when he gets back. <laughs> I'm sure so, we'll hear
1: all about the funness of having yeah. that many women in the car at once. Uh, so anyway, on to, on to some feedback. Uh, the first one is again from Jonathan Nadu, uh, telling us about the Northeast Linux Fest, uh, April 5th at Harvard University. Uh, the website is over at northeastlinuxfest.org. This is, uh, being held, like I said a minute ago, uh, at the Harvard University. So that's really cool. Uh, and it's just a good, good place to go. Uh, you will probably, you know, be of like minds if you end up going to the Northeast Linux Fest.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's April 5th. I think you said 15th. So if someone is just listening. Yep. April 5th. uh, It's April 5th.
1: April 5th. So, yeah, um definitely at least if you can't go, maybe poke him and, and send him a, a, hey, we we heard from, you know, everyday Linux that you guys are awesome. So, give him a poke at least if you can't make it.
0: Okay. Um Going on to the next one, Jay has something to say about goats. Um, Hi, Mark, Chris, and Seth. I'm happy to have brought a smile to your face in show 131 with the image of Mark hopping around his office <laughs> on a bouncy ball, which – um <laughs> that I just I still that still brings a smile to my face I realized the element com slash amazon link I sent was for a child's toy thanks Jay for working our show in link into the show but that was mainly to help complete the visualization besides i figure any guy who could take some mason jars a few home depot paint buckets and a shop vac and turn it into a cold brew coffee extractor would have the do-it-yourself capabilities to add a handle to an inflatable exercise ball (laughs) and with appropriate attire he might even remind his office mates of a more golden era in film and uh there's a link here from uh, Doctor Strange Love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the first time I looked at the link. Oh my gosh,
1: Jay, I love you, man. You are awesome. That is awesome. That is probably I could see Mark doing that, which is the the, the sad thing. It's.
0: It's the symbol of, uh, that's Slim Pickens, I believe, when he's going down riding the nuclear bomb with the hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, if, it makes me want to take up Photoshop just so I could, po- you know, transform that into Mark. Um, <laughs> this time I'm writing to assist Seth with his animal issues. Seth mentioned in that same episode that he was having a battle of wits with his goats and their ability to escape his fence repairs. Well, never fear, Seth. Like all good solutions, the obvious answer to this issue is to throw technology at it. To prepare yourself for all future escape attempts, I present you with the Goat Simulator. Still in alpha at this point, but already very popular. Very popular and available for pre-order on Steam. As you can see from the YouTube video link below that these little critters are expert climbers. So the next time you do a fence repair, just be sure there isn't a construction crane nearby. <laughs> so um, if you want to go to GoatSimulator.com and check it out, you are more than welcome to. Uh, keep up the great work, guys. Jay. P.S. Chris. Bacon tater tots. Really? <laughs> diet blown for another month.
1: <laughs> Yes, uh, that was an awesome, and I did. We we did end up trying it, and it is very good. <laughs> awesome. So I'll let you take the next yep, one. My Michael brings up a a comment about XBMC fans. Um, the and he says your latest episode of your podcast talks about Plex. So I thought I'd tell you about my upcoming project, X Beam MC. XBeamMC is a project to send data from your computer or file server to any XBMC device. This includes Raspberry Pi, Android, set-top boxes, or really anything that can run XBMC. XBeamMC will support local files, internet video, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Um Original content sites like The Daily Show, or The Conan Report, or The Onion, etc. Live streaming sites, think Twitch or Ustream. Global news like... Al Jira, Russia Today, CBS News, etc. And magnet links for like streaming torrent content or even any other content that, that you know may be supported in a future release. Uh, the website is xbeammc.com and a demo video is over on YouTube. Uh, and he has a link to a XBMC for Android. So it's an interesting little project. Um, something I'll, I'll look at. Uh, I've never had a been... I've never been a big XBMC fan. I'm not a big XBMC fan, so it may not be for me, but I'm sure somebody out there who loves XBMC will probably like this as well.
0: Cool. Uh, Jim writes in to say, Embarrassment is good. Hey guys, great show. Content is always good, and I look forward to it. Mark, good job in getting a head start on embarrassing your daughter. It is never too early to start on this because she will sooner or later embarrass you. I have a granddaughter that will soon be 16 who decided about five years ago that it was funny when she announced to anyone that could hear her yell, my papa has gray hair. It's been on since then. <laughs> Take care and thanks for all that you do, JB. <laughs> uh P.S. That capture question was really tough.
1: All right. Well, from reverse to forward, um the captures always are really tough. I don't know how many times I've sat in front of the capture window going, um especially the ones that are you know the weird squiggly letters and you get to figure out which letter is what. Right. I don't know how many times I've failed those. I'm, I there's times I think a computer would probably be better at it than I am. <laughs> um and I'm sure Mark will say something next week about embarrassing his daughter again considering that long trip they just had, but I will say that my daughter is not yet quite of the embarrassment age. She's still the the cute cuddly 5-year-old that she is, but my I will say my uh my friend's daughter is 14 and she's gotten, has decided to put a chip on her shoulder for everyone and anyone who's around. And so now it has become the goal of every adult to embarrass her as fully and intently as they possibly can. <laughs> and so, like the last couple of times that she's had to get picked up, the uh, mother or my wife ends up going to get her. And, of course, then it is on saying, you know, hey, pumpkin, or hey, sweetie, and screaming at the top of the lungs. So, yes, Jim, we are definitely making sure to embarrass our daughters or uh, friends of daughters or any other female that we can embarrass is on, like Donkey Kong, to embarrass them. It's part of being a teenager, I think. Cool. (laughs) Cool. All right, so this one's mine, isn't it? This is from Jeff. Jeff has a question about the root login. All right, well, this one isn't super long, but we'll get it taken care of. Um, In the first question, he says he may not understand how to ask, so I'll, you know, please clarify if it doesn't make any sense. He says, in Red Hat type distros, there is an administrative password which must be used for authentication when making system changes. In Ubuntu, Mint, etc., there is not a system administrator login, but a series of users who may be members of the sudo file. In a business environment and daily practice, what does this look like? If a non pseudo user needs to update or do a system change, does Red Hat require only an administrator password to be entered, while the Ubuntu system would require the user to log off and the admin sudo user to log in? Uh, let's see. That one's kind of convoluted. Uh, the way I read that, yeah, the, let's see, in a business environment, I think here.
0: Well, you know, in, in a business environment, like a lot of times, you'll have a tech who uh, come, comes by and needs to do something on your system. And because of, you know, if you have a login scripts or things done, you know, or even if the user's doing something you don't want to log out, you can, like, do a run as, and you can put in your network credentials and do that yeah. one task as them. And so Red Hat, which is designed for business, is going to kind of mimic that functionality because it's very good. But Ubuntu, which is designed for an end user to be, um, you know… In a consumer setting, and of course, you know, it's not that you can't use Red Hat in consumer setting or you can't use Ubuntu in business, but Ubuntu kind of says, nope, you know, if you need to do that, then you should go log in as that person to yeah. do it. Um, so, it's more, it's not so much, you know, question of which is right or wrong, it's just which one is, which market are they going after.
1: Right, and you know, the other thing that would happen, you know, if if it's something that needs to be updated or installed or whatever… Uh, a lot of Linux administrators would just s s h to the machine um, right. because then you don't have to log out the user at all uh, that 's the whole point of having multiple logins and multiple users is the ability to do things without in interrupting the one that 's at the you know at the console at the moment um, so yeah that 's how that works um That would be, yeah, there's ways to do, to raise your privileges, you know, so like if you're in, if you need to do it via terminal and the guy's sitting at your keyboard, he can always do his, uh, it's an SU command and I don't remember the exact switch, but you, you SU to the user that you're trying, that you need to be. And then you can run the command in that terminal as that person because you're assuming that other credential. Just like when you do sudo, you can, you know, sudo your rights and that, that would, that does, uh, super user do. Well, with an SU, you're switch user. So you're, you're getting the same idea as the run as command, but just in the terminal. So it depends on where you are. Um, but yeah, it, the, there's ways to do it either way. Red Hat just makes it a little bit, or the Red Hat type distros would make it a little bit easier with the ability to use a right click and run as. On to a second question. He says, "I'm currently working I'm currently using Windows Remote Desktop to access desktops for support within our Windows domain, which includes a router to router VPN between two business locations as well as a desktop VPN access for mobile users. What is your preferred method of remote desktop support within a business network?" I can't use Chrome Remote because that would require user interactions to initiate. I need a solution when no one is at the desktop or when I can tell the users don't touch the computer until I call you back. Or better yet, the option to also have an interacting session to train the users when I need to see you see you click here and then do this and that. Also, if it could be cross-platformed, it would be much better. But I'll live without that in order to have better functionality. Uh, I'm... I'm resigned to having both Windows and Linux desktops for on my desk for the f- foreseeable future. Oh, and free is in. Oh, and free, free is good. And so, thanks from Jeff. Um, I, I'm a couple of different ways you could do this. Uh, it depends on if you know free. Uh, that that makes it tougher. Um, you could always use VNC. Um, that would be an option. Yep. Uh, that's f- a free open source type of software. Uh, you need to make sure that you're following the license, though, when you go to any of the VNCs to make sure you can use it in your environment without having to pay for it. Uh, I think tight VNC is the one that's the most friendly as far as licensing goes. Um, if you want cross-platform in Windows and Linux, that makes it tough because there's not very many that are both um, VNC, VNC does a good job. Um, maybe you could look into, um, TeamViewer, TeamViewer's cross-platform. You could do, run TeamViewer in both. It's not free, but it would do the job and you'd also have a few extra things that you'd be able to do that you wouldn't be able to do with VNC. Um, Seth, do you got anything?
0: No, um, you mentioned, we use, uh, TeamViewer where I work and, uh, I've used VNC in the past. Uh those are really the two I know of. Um you know, log me in used to have a free version, but they've discontinued that and now it's pretty much just paid service. Yeah. Um I, I honestly I I don't know. Um probably VNC, but it's gonna require a little bit of configuration to work um if you have anything newer than Windows XP uh on your machine. Not that not that it won't. It's just like um I don't remember if you have I don't remember what you have to do, but I remember there was something and maybe the newer packages have done it all and it's just a matter of installing yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, you know, VNC is probably the best way to go if you want to set that up.
1: That's free. Um, I would, I would agree with you. for yeah. Free. Um, if you don't mind paying for it or if you can squeeze the, uh, your purchasing department, um, cause you didn't say what type of business type of location you have, um, you could, VNC is free and would probably do the job without a problem. It is kind of sluggish over VPNs, at least in my experience. Uh, TeamViewer, on the same, but on the different note, um, wouldn't go through your VPN. It would go actually through the internet, through the, their point to point encryption protocol. Um, and it's pretty good. I've been, I've used TeamViewer, you know, from my place in Montana to places in Texas and South Carolina and New York and you know it's it's choppy because obviously we're we're trying to watch a desktop but it's not right. it's not broken i mean i can use it without a problem when i was doing the i was actually doing a support with uh somebody this weekend in south south carolina and you know once i got used to the stutter there was no problems and i was able to work without a problem um so you know between i would say for free using vnc and remote desktop ssh terminals um but if you need something more uh robust i would i would say go go purchase team viewer yeah i hope that helps yeah me too um
0: so if we didn't jeff you know maybe um maybe ride in with uh a bit more specific on what your situation is but you know honestly um you know i think vnc is going to be your best thing yeah now.
1: i do too and the other thing we could look at is i know you have vnc or you have a a v i just thought of this you have a vpn between for router to router or lap you know remote laptop into the network you know something that might be an idea to make your vnc connection a little better is to go a VNC point-to-point over the internet using something. Oh, what was that name of that? It was a. There's a Hamachi clone that does the same thing that Hamachi did, and I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember either. But it it, it um, would be a point-to-point, and then there would be less hops between you and the computer you're controlling, so the stutter wouldn't be so bad for VNC. That might be an option too.
0: Yeah. Um, Rick has some thoughts on what makes Linux during the state of the Linux kernel show. Mark said in Java, the end user never touches Linux. So what does it matter? What do we gain from Linux being concrete? Every building has a foundation. Um, uh, I'm sorry. What do we gain from Linux being concrete? Every building has a foundation of concrete, but so what? If Linux is nothing more than the foundation, how does that benefit anybody? If you were building an office and the contractor said, we're not going to use concrete for the foundation. We're going to use a new compound. I'm not going to tell you what's in it, but trust me, it's good. Would you feel confident or would you rather have concrete, which is known, which is a known, highly trusted compound? You might not be able to touch the kernel, but the fact that it has been thoroughly vetted should be reassuring.
1: Rick. Very good, Rick.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's a great analogy, Rick. Uh, Thanks for coming up with that.
1: Yeah, we'll have to poke him when he comes back and say, ha ha.
0: <laughs> or I should say no, I think I think Mark had the concrete analogy, but that's a good
1: way to explain it, yeah.
0: Rick. And make it make it plain for the everyday user. <laughs>
1: All right. So Jonathan writes in saying he loves Linux. Hi, guys. Love the show. Very entertaining and enlightening. I especially have enjoyed your comments on the weather over there as I live in Australia. And while you are at 40 below in Fahrenheit, I'm at 40 below in Celsius. Wow. Anyway, my first computer was a Commodore VIC-20, showing my age, too. And I have a second-hand computer from a university, a Dell Optiplex 745 XP, and have installed Vids, Vids... Vidsdo and Tuxat Linux and Treschool. What Linux GNU slash means to me is an amazing conglomerate of brilliant minds, all developing their devoting their time to craft software, demonstrating that we can call we can do what demonstrating that we can do what the big boys of software can do, but with a better culture, community and purpose. Thanks guys for the great show and bye for now. Thanks, Jonathan. That's about I mean yeah, you are showing your age, but you know what? you at least show it right <laughs> and
0: uh dennis writes in kind of going in reverse here uh you'll understand as i read this letter um hi guys has a recent convert to windows 7 from linux i still make the effort to catch your show when i can why why do i hear you ask the answer is simple you three gentlemen exhibit the sort of manners and behavior sorely lacking in the linux world As proponents of free and open-source software, you come together to celebrate the power of Linux, what it can do for each of you, while showing a respect for each other's position and use of it. When was the last time either of you heard the word celebrate or respect used within the Linux ecosphere? Please don't be bashful. Name a well-mannered, well-behaved project head or lead developer. My guess is your thoughts perhaps strayed towards a representative of either the Debian or OpenSUSE projects. And to be honest, I couldn't disagree. Now, take Mark Shuttleworth. No, fortunately, I'm not another about to put the boot in. Am I the only one? But let me simply pose this question. How much was gained by the likes of Leonard Potiering, Martin, I can't even say it, Jonathan Riddle, or Alan Day? Are they satisfied they've now had their 15 minutes of fame? Think of this lie on the back of a wagon, and you can't help but laugh. Meanwhile, desktop users struggle to log off Gnome Shell or watch an arrangement. as Quinn puts on an effect show to rival Sydney or NYE. Um, never mind forums everywhere filling with questions regarding System D. Riddle is a peach. Not long after releasing his public statement regarding his and Kubuntu's so-called amicable split from the Ubuntu fold, he remained adamant Kubuntu's future lay in the association. He seems to be singing somewhat a different tune of late. This lot are nothing but a narky bunch of developers who think they have the something uh this has got to be a typo here and expertise to dabble in direction planning and public relations and this is the crux of what has now become my rant welcome to modern linux couldn't succeed on the desktop, so focus on tearing each other to shreds. Project V's project, with truth be known, not a lot different besides package management. Like M&M's on an ego trip. I got tired of jumping distros because of the lack of planning. Because somebody, not necessarily with the wisdom, but rather the clout, was making ad hoc decisions. Wander over to Chakra take a look at what was a mere seven months ago, the unofficial flagship KDE distro now in ruins. And as I say in ruins, because the founding philosophy has gone out the window. Wow. um was so righteous when it is now meaning, or what was so righteous then is now meaningless. While I'm on these good folk over at KDE, I hear they are assembling a design group to better unify and integrate the aesthetics of plasma. Damn it. What are all those theme developers going to do now? And what will those KDE 3 users complain about in the future? Circles and circles. Everything that goes around comes around again. I tried to be the good citizen and to contribute to the various projects. Jumping through the many obstacles along the way. Where did it get me? It got me as far as Gnome pulling the plug because repairing the project got a little too hard. And then I was spoon-fed a bunch of lies. Hi, Alan. No, I didn't forget you. On, a, on the positive, I say all power to Mark Shuttleworth. If he can disassociate Ubuntu and himself from the existing squabble and mess, I believe he stands a chance of really furthering the adoption of free software. How he does this is his and his business alone as far as I'm concerned. He pays the bills while at the same time I believe he is thick-skinned enough to brush off his detractors. I suspect it will be he who has the last word. Keep up the good work, guys. Your show is the best of Linux that still remains here dennis wow that was a long rant <laughs> yeah and
1: and not you know, far unfortunately, off Unfortunately, of
0: yeah unfortunately the great strength of linux that there's so many distros is the great weakness of linux we'd rather fight each other than you know unify and do something special so you know it's um i don't know wait there's a lot of truth in what he says um you know, I, I don't know what happened, but it does sound like maybe he got burned. I don't know if it was personally or if he just kind of reached his quota. You know, I've had that before. I've liked something and I've put up with stuff. And then usually it was something little that on its own, you think that's ridiculous. Why would you leave because of that? But it was the literal, literally the straw that broke the camel's back you were barely hanging on and then this one little thing hits and you're done nothing can repair it so you know dennis you know i mean i love to make fun of windows and apple and i try to bash them on a weekly basis on this show but you know they're not billion dollar companies for putting out total garbage uh you know if if we're going to be honest they get some stuff at least not totally wrong or otherwise they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been around this long and they wouldn't have the market share and they wouldn't have the clout that they do so windows Seven's a good os it's solid it's stable it was well received by the tech world um you know y- you could do worse you know you could do vista <laughs> or you could do mac os x yeah. so <laughs> you know it, it, at least you went with a winner
1: yeah um You know, and I I hate to even, I I have no, I have no, er, not comments, but I have no counters for what he has said. Um, a lot of this stuff should have already been in place. You know, the, the community over at KDE, they should have had some sort of, of group for, for develop, for design developers. That should have been done a long time ago to make, you know, Plasma actually look like it sounds. Um, but you know the the things that that I I we and we've told we've said this numerous times before too that it's the strength of Linux and its greatest weakness. Um, and I don't know what had happened to what he's talking about when it comes to sh- the chakra development. Um, they're still alive and kicking. Um, I must have missed something maybe in the news that they they had a problem with something. Um, I'll have to go digging through their sites to see what's going on. But they're still. Touting the uh, Premier KDE experience. So, um, if you know something we don't, come on and tell us there, Dennis. Uh, we we've missed something, obviously. Uh, yeah, but it I will agree. It does sound like he got burned over in the gnome in the gnome system. And you know, yeah, I've seen I've heard that from a couple other people that the the GNOME project um, writes off projects fast fast and loose when it comes to, instead of getting things fixed, they usually just try to either combine it into something else or write it off altogether. So I've heard that from other people. So you're not the only one, Dennis. You're, so you may not be, uh, in co- you're you're in company, I just don't know how good of company.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um. unfortunately, you know, Gnome burned a lot of people whenever they released Gnome yeah. 3, so...
1: Well, and the same thing happened when KDE dropped from when they went from three to four. So Right. Um it'll be interesting to see how you know uh KDE works in the future because I know they've been changing some things under this hood and I'm hoping to see that it'll be good things. Anyway, onward to Mark. Uh Mark Mentz says listening to EDL one thirty three, what kind of project is Chris doing that he needs CAD? I might be able to help. It's so why I re- actually reached out to Mark and let him know that it's a, a I got to design a a wiring diagram for a new building or a building that's being worked on in a in my town as part of my home business and for some reason CAD just I couldn't get my head wrapped around it for the longest time. I finally got it down and I've I'm working my way through it, but it's something I can't offload and there's not much I can really to speak about. Um it's just kind of one of those things I had to knuckle down and learn how to run this program. And I tried other things. Um, he made a point to point out, well, why don't I try something like Inkscape or uh, any of the other drawing tools? And, yeah, Inkscape could do it, but it wouldn't be as, as uh, you know, because like Cat has a lot of abilities built into it. So, like, measurements and, and seeing scale and everything else. Uh, Inkscape doesn't have any of those tools that I that I know of off the top of my head uh it would just it would have made my small life nightmarish compared to <laughs> relearning or learning how to run CAD and i did find a good program um the librecad was driving me absolutely bonkers and i moved off of librecad and i went to qcad and purchased it and so far it's done everything and anything i've needed it to do so uh, i'll definitely put a thumbs up and out out there for the qcad company they do a great job and it's cross-platform. It runs on everything.
0: Cool. Well, that concludes the listener feedback um, that we're going to cover this week. Um, Looking through, there might've been one or two that we missed, but we're going to kind of save them for later because the show's starting to get a little bit long for tonight. (sighs) Um, Next week we are planning to maybe, as Mark mentioned on the last show, Boris is dead. Um, Poor Boris. Long live he's Boris. Running, yeah, he was running a basic uh, Linksys box has his internet gateway device. So I was thinking we might go through and talk about like Tomato or DDRT um, and see about flashing, maybe not that I have some old Linksys routers around, uh, and maybe flashing them and seeing just kind of going through the process involved with that and make a uh, maybe how to build Boris box or, you know, the wireless Boris lives or something like that. So, you know, we thought maybe it would be practical and go through it and see how we did. And maybe we try it and go, I can't believe this is so hard. You know, (laughs) I'm never going to try it. Or why didn't I do this years ago? Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking for next week. Um,
1: think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, it should be a good show. Um, I've got, I've had a a little bit of experience with you know, DDWRT and Tomato, so it'll be a, a fun little time, I'm sure. Awesome. So anyway, uh, that's uh, it's. We're now at the point for uh, some links of the week, uh, Seth. What's this one about? Uh, listen, your listener feedback.
0: Well, um, I a listener sent this in and said for Seth's link, um, this is. I actually this was like I think it was. I found it online in the late 90s, but it's a Star Trek The Next Generation episode um, where they encounter the Borg, and they're trying to figure out a way to beat them, um, and they use, like, a Microsoft Entertainment Pack. So, if you remember those from the Windows 95 days, if you remember Chip... Uh, I still think it's funny, but again, I'm, I'm from this era of computing. So, uh, it's kind of funny. Read it. A lot of it will be funny, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, but if you're a next generation fan, uh, it'll be really funny. And if you're a Microsoft lover, hopefully you can, you can laugh at yourself. And if you don't like Microsoft, then, you know, you'll probably snicker and go, haha.
1: Um, but I don't know. It's kind of funny. Yeah, that is I'm kind of flipping through it really quick and yeah, that's uh that's pretty darn funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I say, this is a joke. I uh I actually printed it off and I have it somewhere in my room still, I think. That that's how old this is back when I used to print stuff off. <laughs> wow.
1: That is yeah, awesome. over yeah. That's awesome. I guess
0: from the late 90s, so over 15 years ago.
1: Oh, that's still pretty darn awesome if I do say so. Um I I will probably end up probably either printing this or putting it on my my wall because I when I find little things like this I I hang it up on my wall so I still print out things every once in a while. Yeah.
0: Chris, would you like to kick off the how to contact sure, us?
1: Sure. I can do that. I'll stop reading that little post you gave me and I will go back or
0: I it. can read it I can read it if you would rather read the joke
1: <laughs> no that's all right I got plenty of time to read the joke later um you can contact us over on the website which is at elementop.com um there's some user forms there there's also this cool little contact us which it which uh when you use it it will call you with our google voice so you can be on our show um we did have a user uh, a call-in show today or a, a you know a voicemail but neither one of us have a way to play the voicemail <laughs> so you guys can hear it. So we're going to wait and hold that one for next week or when the the next user feed, the next time we have a user feedback show. Um, we're also over on the Twitter at elementopi, uh, Facebook us at facebook.com slash elementopi. Uh, that telephone number again is 559 I OP. Um, there's also a couple other things you can do. If you want to support the show, you can give us some tips on the tip jar or just simply go to Amazon with uh, – go to our Amazon link, our affiliate link, which is um, elementop.com slash Amazon. You guys don't see anything, um, but you end up sending us a couple of cents here and there, and we will love – we would love some more show topics. So send them over and definitely more feedback. We love feedback. Yeah. And remember,
0: do you want me to create a Kickstarter project to go to LinuxCon? Yes or no? Uh, let me know. Yeah. Uh, Seth, it's a yes for me. Go. Okay. Go. F- well, but like, like, I said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm gate I'm breaking down that third wall. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in with my homies in the element OP nation. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> it, it
1: was very bad. I, I apologize. Anyway, guys, that's it. I'm calling it. That, that's the end of the show. We're done.
0: <laughs> See y'all.
1: Have a good night.